Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What with Dan and Julie. Today we've got Nick on, who is a personal stylist. Hi, Nick. Hey, Daniel. How are you, mate? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Very well, thank you. Can't complain. The sun is shining, so that is good. Yes, it makes a nice change, doesn't it? It was a bit of a rubbish bank holiday, wasn't it? It was was awful. It was terrible. It's lucky I was working, to be fair, so I didn't really uh, (laughs) complain too much. So do you want to tell everyone a little bit about what you do then, Nick? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, my name's Nick Howard Lanes, also known as Man About Style. So I'm a personal stylist for the everyday man. I provide proven positive change for guys that are not only lacking in a style sense, but are also battling with insecurities and mental health. So I am a firm believer that clothing is more than just clothes. It tells a story, it shares a message, and it makes us feel a better person when we're wearing something that we can identify with. Mm, definitely. So have you always loved fashion? Is that always played a part in your life or is, is this relatively new? Yeah, so I've always I've always been into fashion. I've always watched what the world is wearing. So I'm a huge David Beckham fan and he's I'm part of that era where, you know, he scored the winning free kick for against Greece. Um, and I was big into my pop music through the 90s. So I think influences like that have always kept me interested in fashion. Mm. And when I went to university, I studied media arts and film and television. So I knew I wanted to be within that media space, but I never knew where I wanted to go from there. So I managed to, um, I actually did a subway commercial as an extra. And I did that and got on really well with a second AD. And then she said to me, oh, do you want to come and do Pirates of the Caribbean? I was like, sure, wow. why not? <laughs> I've just uh, just come out of university trying to make some money, didn't know anyone in the industry, so did a Subway commercial. And yeah, literally just through networking and being polite, I got this, this offer to be on Pirates of the Caribbean. And then when I was there, she said, oh, let me look at your hands. So I showed her my hands. She said, do you want to be Johnny Depp's hand double? <laughs> so, I, so I was like, sure. She was like, it's going to be X amount of money for it for the day um, and you'll do it for a couple of days in between doing some um, some AD work, which means assisting director, basically a runner making teas and coffees. So I was like, brilliant. So uh, straight away added Johnny Depp's hand double to my CV. As you do. <laughs> as you do, yeah. Um, so I worked, I worked as an AD, being a runner in film, working on Harry Potter, um, X-Men oh, wow. First Class, um, some really amazing stuff that I just didn't expect I was going to get to be a part of. Um, But it just wasn't satisfying me creatively. So I kind of had to find where shall I, I've I've worked hard and networked to get to here. Where shall I go from now? And I then just, I was doing what was I, it was fittings for World War Z, the Brad Pitt film. I was doing fittings. So basically getting the extras lined up, ticking off their names. They go into costume and get fitted. And then I was speaking to one of the crowd supervisors and said, I think I'm interested in costume. I've always been interested in fashion and that side of things. And he said, OK, cool. Come on as a trainee. And literally it just started from there. So that was my first ever costume job on film. And then I've kind of just networked and wiggled my way through the industry from there. Because on your uh, on your Instagram, which is great if you you know if you're looking for a few tips on a 
on men's style. Jules, Jules, you could have a look, maybe, mate. <laughs> um, <laughs> Much appreciated. Um, and it says that you know you've done work with Google, Netflix. That there's loads of great companies, and all those films you just named as well. So you've obviously you know worked on establishing yourself within the industry. Yeah, yeah, I have. It's it's hard. It's hard graph, and as you know from speaking to other great people on your podcast, that everything is so competitive. I think no matter if you're an accountant. If you're a stylist, if you're in hair and makeup, everything is is a competition. So I've always made sure that I've tried my best. And I've literally, as I said before, I've networked and, and tried to get to where I want to go. So from film, I did a movie called Rush, which is about a Formula One in the 70s. Um, about, I can't remember, Nicky Lauda, I think it is. Really good film. I think it's on Netflix at the minute. Mm. And I did that. And then one of the supervisors for Strictly Come, Strictly Come Dancing was on that. So then she then brought me on to Strictly Come Dancing and I became Sir Bruce Forsyth's dresser. And wow. I did that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and I did that until, God bless his soul, until he, until he left us. Um, and that was an amazing experience to, to work with such an entertaining legend like that. And then the designer on Strictly then became the designer on The Voice UK and then that's how I became a stylist, basically, because she brought me on as a stylist on The Voice. And that was the, the biggest job that I've ever done. And it's the most poignant job I've ever done because I learned so much on the job. I learned that I could get a 60-year-old woman who sings country music come through the door and I've got to dress her and she's got to feel comfortable with me dressing her and styling her. And then I might get a 16-year-old R&B singer come to me and I've got to dress him and make him feel comfortable and believe that I can style him and I've got his best interests at heart so doing that for several seasons taught me so so much and I so think that's the outfits yeah. that we see them in aren't hmm. the outfits that they turned up in well it goes through stages oh. so the blind auditions because these productions don't want to pay out too much money we basically style them from their suitcase <laughs> so we'll so we'll tell them literally bring your entire wardrobe open it up and we'll start to pick from there and then the next stage after that you get a sort of smaller budget and then you get a bigger budget and then a bigger budget so yeah it all happens in stages but technically all of those contestants yeah they're all styled for tv ah. yeah so- You've obviously had an interesting experience how you've developed through this uh, industry. Is that typical for this industry? Is once you're in and you get to know people, it's sort of like ping-ponging about and you can sort of go where you want as long as you know the people. Is that sort of the way it develops? It is really, and it is for me. So when I first started out in costume, I'm not going to lie, I got a few other costume people and colleagues kind of looked down at me because I didn't do a fashion degree or I didn't do... Uh, a textiles degree or anything like that and I always thought oh no maybe I'm not as good as them and that did chip away at my confidence a lot Um, but then I came to learn that it is possible to learn on the job I don't feel like a degree is the be all and end all and I know that probably goes against of, of the teaching system but I think if you've got an interest and a passion for something I think 100% if someone's willing to teach you and give you a position and you take it with your with your full grasp then absolutely you can just run with that definitely i think more my personal opinion i don't know if you agree jules is um degrees are 
in school were certainly pushed and if you're not doing a degree they will question you and question you and question you as to why you're not doing a degree because why wouldn't you do one in their yeah. eyes but re- really all the a lot of the people we've spoken to that are in industries that don't necessarily require one they've done so well without one so like That's you say interesting. It, you know to go and be uh you know in the sort of fashion world you still don't really need a degree right no no and it's kind of um yeah about the whole confidence thing with it I still do wish that I had that backing to say because sometimes like I just did um Little Mermaid last week um and I was talking to an older lady an older costume lady and she was saying oh these trainees aren't professionals like the like us they haven't done a degree and I still (laughs) I know and I still didn't say anything I didn't pipe up and say actually I haven't because I couldn't be bothered to get into that debate (laughs) we've just done like a 14 hour day um so I just kept quiet but then I was thinking why didn't I say anything am I still ashamed about it but I've never used my media arts degree to get a job never Mm. Mm. I've never... I think that's very common for a lot of people. Um, yeah. Certainly, uh, judging off our friendship group, a lot of those people that did degrees in certain areas don't use the degree that they got for their job in any way, shape, or form. So interesting. Yeah, and uh, I guess what is actually a stylist? Like, what? You, it sounds really silly, but what are you doing? Mm. What are some of the things you're looking at, and what actually is it? Yeah, so I'll talk in terms of doing personal styling. So um, personal styling started as a side hustle off the back of knowing what I could achieve from the voice. So it started as a side hustle, been doing that since 2014, um, and I've just grown to love it. The rewards are huge. Seeing someone turn up at Westfields really insecure, quite timid, um, don't know how to dress, um, just really lacking in confidence, and then seeing them four, five, six hours later, and the change of personality. You see their posture, their shoulders rolled back, and then you end up getting a text um, text message with a photo of all the clothes on their bed and saying, like, thanks, Nick, this is amazing. So it's that is what I really want to focus on now, is doing the personal sign, because it's just so self-rewarding. Um, so basically, in the most basic terms of what we do is we will not just well for me anyway I'll not just style someone to look trendy and look fashionable and I think that's what most people think a stylist is that you're gonna look at a shop mannequin see the clothes on there think that looks good walk into the store and take that shirt those jeans and those trainers but actually it's, it's far more in depth than that and there's a lot of psychology involved with it because like I said at the, the beginning clothes represent a person they uncover an identity And a lot of the clients that come to me, it's not because they want to look, excuse my French, the dog's bollocks. It's because they want to either overcome a messy divorce they're going through because they've been single for 10 years and they want to find love or they're looking for a promotion at work and they don't quite know how to do that. And I didn't know this at the beginning. I just had an interest in fashion. I get on really well with people. I love people. I love meeting new people. And it's over time that I've learned that actually there's more to it. So I'll either do a wardrobe review where I'll come to your house, Daniel, and I'll open up your wardrobe doors. We'll get everything out. I'll make you try everything on. And basically we'll create some clothing clarity. We'll see what's working for you, what isn't working. I'm really into sustainability as well. So 
if trousers or shirts or jumpers or blazers can be reused by pinning them in, taking them to a tailor's, then we'll do that. Um, whatever's not working, we'll take it to a charity shop. So that's the wardrobe review. And then after then we can do a personal styling session where we can meet up at Westfields, for example, and we'll go to all the stores that are gonna relate to your personal branding and we'll try things on and we'll basically just home in on what your style can be. Do you have a sort of a demographic that you're more comfortable or tailored towards? Um, so the main demo, it started out being a lot of friends of friends. So it's people of my age group. So I'm in, I'm 32 at the minute. So when I first started out, it was guys in their late 20s and early 30s. And I didn't think it was going to be that because I thought those guys know how to dress. You just assume, you think, oh, they're going to be on social media. They follow what celebrities are wearing. Um, but then as that moment passed, I get a lot of gentlemen that are in probably their late 30s more so that have either gone through marriage and that's broken up or haven't been married yet and they're looking for love. So I'd say it's mainly 35 to 45 year old gentlemen. Um, so being a stylist and, you know, you've worked on all these movies and all these shows, what's the industry actually like as a stylist? Is that the bread and butter, you know, the TV, the movies, the media side, or is there other aspects to the industry? Yes. Yeah, so at the moment, that is the bread and butter. So when I said um, I did Little Mermaid last week, I did that for bread and butter. I It's great dinner conversation. It's great to sit down and and tell people I've, I've worked on Little Mermaid and this is what the costumes look like, this is what the set looks like. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not gonna fulfill my end goal in life and what I want to achieve. So it's good to have that. And I did Bridgerton the week before and I'm lucky to be asked to jump on board these amazing shows. I, I love watching Bridgerton. Um, <laughs> my missus will hate me <laughs> saying it, but it definitely spiced up our relationship. <laughs> Um, so it's, it's great. It's, it's great to be asked that. So that's why I had personal styling as, as a side hustle, because unless you're just going to be confined to that industry, because a lot of people, I do film TV and commercials, a lot of people just stick to one. So some people just stick to films and some people just do reality TV or entertainment TV, and some just stick to the commercial game. So it's very rare to get someone that does flutter around so I guess that kind of I don't know I've always battled with myself thinking is it jack of all trades and master of none but I think for me it's just I'm trying to tick so many creative boxes mm, variety is good as well right it, it's the spice of life they yeah, say is, don't they is. yeah yeah so um so that's where I'm at with it so if somebody was to say reality TV, let's take that as an example. Mm. Um, you know, you get called in by the director or producer or whoever, and do they say to you, this is the vibe we want? We Do you have to go to social media and research trends? Do you have to be up to date with the fashion industry? You know, what are some of the things that you use as your tools to guide uh, your styling? I tell you what, it's an ongoing battle of tug of war and it's not just two people pulling the rope. There's about 20 people pulling the rope. <laughs> so you'll normally get called in and they'll know what you've worked on before. because they'll either look at Instagram or your website or something like that. So you'll get called in and then you'll read what the brief is. 
So um, just in the top of my head, because I did a commercial not too long ago, you'll get a, a brief, which is basically a PDF document that the director's created, and you'll see the cast breakdown. And it will say, let's just say they're a timid, shy person, they're working from home, um, and they're selling slippers. Um, so you'll read this brief, and then you'll go away and you have to create a mood board. So I'll then infuse my opinion and say, right, so I'll be like, they're sitting at home, it's comfortable, it's about slippers, it's for a young 20-year-old something, that's their demographic. And then I'll probably start looking at Instagram and looking, asking people that I know. I'll probably ask my partner if that's the demographic. I'll say, okay, what do you think people are wearing at the minute? And just yeah, not tr not try to make it my own personal views, try to make it as real as possible. And then I'll send off that mood board and then it will come back about 20 times and it goes over and over because the director will talk to the producers, then they'll talk to the <laughs> clients, which is basically the slipper company. Um, and then it's just an ongoing battle. And then you literally, they expect you to buy the entire store. Um, <laughs> no doubt a shoestring budget. So as much you can literally, I've done a commercial before where I've had about six rails packed to the brim of clothes. And this is for like six characters in a commercial. And you're thinking that I physically can't buy any more clothes, but someone will want that one bright orange cable knit jumper that you haven't brought. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, it's so typical. So, so what I do now is I, I do so many mood boards and I buy what is on those mood boards, even if they've crossed it off the list, just so it's there. And then on the day, they end up seeing the cast members in the flesh and it will change again. Mm. So what I've learned in this industry, and I learned this really early on, is not to fall in love with anything you create because someone will go and change it and someone will try and tread on, tread on your creativity. So as much as I love something, I always tell myself, no, it just... There's, you, you're going to have to change this in a second, so just hold fire. <laughs> <laughs> and what would be uh, some personality traits that you see in yourself and maybe some of your colleagues around you that you think really help um, help you thrive in this this industry? I, I think if you're if you're friendly and you can get on with people and you can talk to people, I think that will get you so far in life. I did. Um, I couldn't sew on my foot when I was a trainee on World War Z. I couldn't sew. And I remember we were in an airplane hangar. I think that's the right word. And loads of these zombies were attacking this airplane. <laughs> and one of the stunt guys had um, like this helmet on and he had a badge on and the badge fell off. And he came running up to me in between the take where you've probably got about five minute turnaround. So I, oh, you work in costume. Can you sew this on for me? And I did not know how to sew. Um, stupidly should have just asked my mum to teach me before I started the job <laughs> but that really didn't matter because I was friendly with all my colleagues I was friendly with the stunt guy that I was looking after and that that yeah didn't hinder me in the slightest so I truly believe that if you you could be a, the best at your job you could be the Stephen Hawkins of your industry but if you're not friendly and you're not personable and they're not going to hire you again for the next job because this is self-employment, it's not PAYE. So if no one's going to hire you, then there's no way that you're going to progress and you're going to get work. Mm. Um, and for you, what would be some of the biggest uh, positives that you've had out of this career so far? 
it's it's what I've touched on earlier slightly is that it's seeing the change in people. It's seeing that something so simple as the clothes we wear on our backs can change the way we feel, even to the point of, let's say, some singers that go on stage and the tears of joy when they come off stage and they sing and they say, thank you so much. I felt like a superstar on stage. Mm. And having a guy that was going through some really bad mental health issues and he had bad skin allergies and he came to me and he was so, so timid. Um, and just knowing that I could just hang out with him, spend the day with him, being as natural and as down to earth as possible, but giving him a, some advice and telling him that actually clothes on your back could help you feel like self-successful. And that is the biggest positives that I feel. And I kind of just want to keep spreading that message. And part of why I'm doing this is because there's still no menswear slot on telly. No one's on this morning talking about menswear style. No one's on the rain That's talking about it. Yeah, I know. So, so this is this is my mission, boys. <laughs> is that that's that's the aim is to help the men out there as well and tell them how to dress because I think a lot of it comes from their partners or a lot of it is just men still dressing how they dressed throughout the, all the other chapters in their life. They're still the twenty-one-year-old guy wearing clothes that probably don't fit him too well. So, <laughs> so, so this is my aim is to is to be that guy and be the go-to. Um, so I've set myself a huge target there. So we'll see. That's awesome, though. No, it'd be good. Um, good to watch your progress and see your journey as well. Um, Thank you. For you, what would be some of the the less favourable aspects of this industry, though? Um, the fact that it is so cutthroat and it is a competition. No matter if you're a designer, supervisor, a stylist, just a costumer, an assistant, there is a lot of negativity over the word fashion for starters. And all on my website, I rarely mention the word fashion because I feel there's such a stigma behind it. There's a pretentiousness, there's a cutthroat style, it's very unfriendly. And that's the opposite message that I'm trying to give off. So I think that's a huge negative is the pretense of this industry is that people realize it's a bit like devil's wear wears prada and i heard that <laughs> bit um being talked about on one of your previous podcasts with mm. um a lovely lady that i can't remember her name um but you mentioned devil's wear wears prada and it's exactly it's exactly like that and that's how we envision the industry so for me to get clients and be hired i don't i want to be as far away associated as that as possible <laughs> i think with like the advent of social media and all these challenger brands and people like yourself um who are on instagram and putting outfits together and giving inspiration it's kind of almost breaking that old world of fashion down a little bit isn't it yeah yeah exactly and my biggest competition because men don't see personal styling as being for men i think in our heads we stereotype it as it's just women teaching women how to dress and that's it mm. so i think that's that's the huge battle that i've got but in terms of my biggest competition, it's the influencers on Instagram that mm. aren't stylists themselves, but they've got millions of followers and they're being sponsored by these low key fashion brands. And I'm not slating them in the possible because it's it's money and it's great what they're doing and they are creating an influence. But what they're doing is wearing clothes that are sent to them and saying, buy these clothes. Whereas what I'm doing is for the individual. 
everyone mm. is different with me and I cater for the individual. So they're my biggest competition is to try and let them look at little old me and tell them that actually I'm, I'm trying not to tell you what to wear. I'm trying to just guide you mm. into it. And that's the hardest thing with, with promoting is that I can do a, a YouTube video and say 10, wear, 10 ways to style a white t-shirt, which is great. But if, if it doesn't actually cater for that guy, that guy might not like wearing t-shirts because he doesn't like crew necks and he thinks that crew necks make his neck look really skinny. So I've always got to try and be aware that I don't want to preach. I just want to advise and what I'm creating is just for aspiration and that's it. Yeah. So you sort of mentioned earlier that this isn't really, um, you don't really get employed as a, as a stylist. It's very much, um, you know, self-employment, um, even within the movie and TV sort of industry. So we always at this point go away and sort of talk about average income. So we'll look for some figures and see if you would agree, um, yeah. which I think is always quite unfair, to be honest, when we have people that are <laughs> self-employed, because we always say this, it's completely up to you, you know, how hard you work, what your network's like, um, yeah. how often you're working. But I mean, it, yeah. online, it does say around 22,000 for a stylist within the movie and TV industry. Does right. that kind of sound right? Well, well, don't look at my 2020 um, tax return. <laughs> that'll tell a totally different story. See, that's what um, I mean. Uh, uh, with these industries and self-employed things, it's the question's almost a bit redundant, but, you know, we yeah. like to give a kind of an idea, yeah. if you'd like. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Is that recent figures? Yeah, it is. Well? Yeah, recent, recent yeah. stats. Yeah. I think that's quite low. Okay. Um, I think I thought it would have been more, to be honest. Um, the costume industry in film, TV and commercial, we are one of the departments that actually gets paid the least. Um, so hair and makeup will get paid way more than what we get. And if anything, we're in before them and we leave after them just because of the preparation time and the, the wrapping up time. Mm. Um, so we're, we're poorly paid, but still in the grand scheme of things, it's good money. So I'll talk, I'll talk openly. So just for a costume assistant role on Little Mermaid, which is Disney, that was 290 a day. Wow. So two, yeah, 290 pounds a day, which is really good. Obviously, yeah. that's PAYE though. Yes. For big films, it goes through as PAYE. But if you're, let's say, designing a commercial and you can put that through, that's self-employment work, it all gets like my tax my um, accountant as a field day with me because it's either <laughs> it's either paye or self-employment but for designing a commercial that can be anything up to from 300 pounds to 600 pounds depending on the client okay um so it's actually really good money but obviously then there's a lot of us and you're competing so yeah you're, obviously you're relying like, on your network to to get you in for for, for jobs and and for their jobs yeah. to, to be there as well i suppose yeah exactly exactly and I've, I've been brought up and I'm lucky I've got my mum's genes that she's so good with money and I'm really good with money so I can be really busy for a month and if I don't work for a month or two months after that I can budget really well so I know mm. what I can spend whether I can go and have a crazy one with the boys or <laughs> treat the missus to something um probably should have said that one first didn't yeah, I? Probably. Um, <laughs> we'll try and I mean, edit it around the other way <laughs> yeah, if you could flip that. Thanks, guys. Um, so, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm lucky in that sense. Like if it was my brother in this industry, he, he, loves a, he loves to treat himself. So it might be a bit harder. But, yeah, I would have thought that it was at least probably around the 36K mark, 40, 
forty k mark. I would okay, have thought. so it's, so it's very it's very good money. You know, that's way above the yeah. national average. Yeah, I think it's good money. And then you have to bear in mind with a lot of these productions, if you go into overtime, then you get paid, which is a lot of the time, especially in film, then you get paid handsomely per hour. Um, so that, yeah. So have you got any tips for anyone listening to this and thinking, oh, do you know what? I'd actually love to go and be a stylist within, you know, TV, movies, or, or like you're doing, uh, you know, with your with your own side hustle. Um, yeah. Is there anything they can do to specifically get into the TV and movie world as a stylist? Yeah, well, if you haven't done a degree, like stupid old me, in, <laughs> in fashion or costume or anything like that, I would 100% recommend, and I always say this to people when they ask me, can I get them on as a trainee? Literally sign up to extras agencies. There's ones called Ray Knight, 2020, Mad Dog, and you'll go there. You can look as ugly as possible. You can look as beautiful as possible, and it does not matter. It's anyone's game, so there's no need to feel insecure. You don't have to have acting experience whatsoever. But if you sign up to these agencies, you'll go in, they'll take a photo of you, take your measurements and you'll get a text every time a production's on. And in the UK at the minute, there is so much being filmed. We're inundated. So join those. And that way you did what I did when I was on a subway commercial. You're there. You're living and breathing it. You're 10 metres away from an actor. You're on a set. And that way you can network. And you can talk to people and you can tell them, this is my dream. I want to be an AD. Can I become an AD? Or I want to be in hair and makeup. Can you get me on, please? So that's what I would recommend is taking the backdoor route and just make sure that you're super friendly and you're just, yeah, just showing a passion and a love for this. And that's that's the main reason why I do it. And I love working with extras as well, because if you're doing a film, let's say Bridgerton, they, that was a long, they were long, long days. They were like 16 hour days wow. in my alarm clock was half three in the morning driving to, <sighs> I was going to, I was going to say where I was driving to, but I think I get my head chopped off from there. <laughs> um, driving to an unknown location. And, um, and you're literally getting about 300 extras through the door, early doors. And you've got to be upbeat. Like everyone's coming in with, still sleepy dust in their eyes and yeah. you've got to make them feel good and come on we're gonna look great let's put on this period costume and I love it I absolutely love doing that because I get to talk to people and there's like even on, on Bridgerton I've made so many connections just through business as well yeah. you get to talk to people and they say oh so what else do you do oh I'm personal stylist man about style and say oh cool give me your card and yeah it's just the best place to be for networking. There's hundreds of people to talk to. That's awesome. Um, for you, though, what would be something that was just not in the job description? You know, you started off, obviously, on that Subway commercial. Uh, it's been a journey to get here. But yeah. well, what's something you just never expected along the way? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, no matter what position you are, whether you're a trainee, an intern or a designer, you always, and excuse my French again, you always have to pick up someone's shit. <laughs> and sometimes sometimes that's quite literal and I'm not even joking um the stories I could tell about some people um and the disregard is hilarious um I mean we're all human and things happen but sometimes they'll get out of their costume and you're left to pick up their shit 
and oh my word. yeah and that it doesn't matter who you are you're still at the end of the day you're dealing with human beings and not all humans are polite and nice and you know work by the book so <laughs> so that's the one thing that I never knew about the job fair enough yeah yeah and I'll um, tell you this one story I won't actually say his name but but he's he's um a huge actor been around for about 30 years top films I used to have to knock on his door and go into his dressing room because he would have a nap in the daytime and I had to physically shake him to wake him up he'd be in his pants under the duvet I had to shake him and wake him up and say hey hey we're ready to put the costume out you like costume on are you ready and they would just get up not talk their hair just sticking up and I'd dress this person that I just had to wake up and I'm like I just couldn't believe this was happening like this A-list celebrity I know I would be hugely embarrassed if I got a costume person to come and wake me up. You're going to have to tell us who it is off of uh, off air. I'll, I'll tell you off air, yeah. yeah but yeah. I can't. Again, I'll, I'll be beheaded <laughs> if I said it. <laughs> um, and would you still go into this industry knowing everything you know now? I would, 100%. 100% I would. Um, just because creatively, I, I always call myself a creative. Are you well? It's as of recent since I've launched Man About Style that I've started saying I'm a personal stylist and I'm a stylist. But I always used to say I'm a creative because it's just being in this industry, there's there's no bars. You can branch off into so many aspects. I brought uh, about, was it four years ago when I went traveling, brought a Canon camera, just one of the amateur cameras and just picked that up, started shooting people that I met traveling. And then switched it over to video upgraded the camera started shooting videography did a few music promos just on the side um and literally you just learn so much you can learn from all these different creative people and feel so inspired so i would not change it for the world well thank you so much for coming on nick um it's been really interesting and i love your your mission with you know helping guys and the mental health aspect i think that's really cool Thank you, dude. Thank you. I really appreciate being on. It's, this has been in the diary all month and I've been looking forward to it. So, yeah, That's thank awesome. you so much. Well, thank you again. And um, where can people find you and find out what you're doing? Well, you can find me. Oh, I like this little plug section. This is nice. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at www.manaboutstyle.co.uk or on Instagram at manaboutstyle.nick. And that's that. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Nick. Thank you, lads. I appreciate it.